Hey, I'm Ben Ramos, and I get the privilege of serving here as the senior pastor. We are a church all about the authentic power of God coupled with sound theology. Because God's given us his inerrant, infallible word, and in it, he calls us to be people who are filled by his Holy Spirit, people who are empowered by his Holy Spirit, and people who are led by his Holy Spirit. As a local congregation, God's called us to help people take steps in their relationship with Jesus, to see them rise from death to life and glory to glory. I just want to thank you guys so much for joining us today. I truly pray and I hope that this message would be an encouragement to you and your life, that it would help you to recognize that the mission field is all around you and that it would help you to take steps in your relationship with Jesus. Be blessed. How cool it is to be a part of a church that just loves to be with Jesus, that just loves to to read about what actual Christianity looks like and does our best to, to model it um, as, as we come together. Because if there's not a safe place to do that stuff here, then where's the safe place to do it? And so I'm, I'm so blessed to be a part of such a, uh, a, cool, a cool church. I sure do love you guys. Um, in the past couple of weeks, I went uh, through, I began going through a message series and called entitled Meal Prep. And so the whole idea is to get us ready to dig into the Word of God, preparing us. Oh, sorry. I know. I know. It's all good. We love the kids around here. She can keep streaming. I'm good with it. Um, And so uh, our last uh, message that I shared was called Trust It. Trust trust the Word of God. It's, I gave us some really important scriptures that help us to understand that we can actually come to the Bible and we can actually trust it as God's breathed word. We, we, we can. Um, and another way to say what I was trying to get across was that um, as the people of God, we're not called to be blind followers. I don't know if that's a newsflash, uh, but we're not called to just blindly follow everything just because he wears a suit. Just because she's pretty, just because he's handsome, just because he has a platform. We're not called to just just be followers. The Bible says, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's cardia. Uh, the, the word for soul is suche, which is where we get the word psyche. Dianoia, that's our mind. That's the things that we, that we think with. And the ischus is our, our strength. You were lost and now you're found and you're not supposed to just blindly follow something now. Jesus said, this is the way in Isaiah 30. This is the way, walk ye in it. In other words, you actually need to know the way that you're walking. You actually need to know what it is that you are, are doing. There's a way that we're supposed to live this out. Jesus said, follow me. Follow me. That, that's not just a, a blind, like someone holding on. That means let's pay attention to what it looks like to be Jesus Christ and live that out to the world around us. This is the invitation that we get to step, step into. 
I love this part in Matthew eleven twenty eight. Jesus said, learn from me. Learn from my life. Look at what it looks like to be Jesus, for I'm gentle, I'm lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Anyone need rest for your souls this morning? I, I know there's more than I am hearing that need rest for their souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We're called to know what we're walking out. We're called to be aware of our decisions, our actions, and our our words. Now, I drew this parallel here um, within this story to the character that many of us would refer to as Doubting Thomas. And I don't know, for the longest time, I was just so like frustrated by it. We get this awesome resurrection story, and then there's this negative, like shameful, don't you be a Doubting Thomas. Don't, don't you do it. I'm like, there's got to be more, but I just kept looking, looking over it until I began to realize, oh, maybe it's not actually supposed to be doubting Thomas, but maybe what Thomas was doing was being a critical thinker Thomas. Maybe he's not supposed to just believe what someone else is saying. Maybe there's importance to dig into it a little bit and not just blindly follow And it felt a little bit sacrilegious because we were going into this post-resurrection story and we we weren't at Easter yet. I know it was like too close. I, I, I was like stepping on some religious lines there. Like, oh, you shouldn't go there. I tend to do that though. But then we had an excellent Good Friday service here where we sat in the reality that Jesus had lived, but now he had been killed. He was wrapped in his linens, and now he was sealed up in that, in that tomb. Who put that together, by the way? Okay, come on. That's awesome. Thank you for your creativity. Good job. Thank you. And as we recognize Jesus' body in the tomb, we began to just sit in the feelings that were natural to this story. The feelings that this isn't how it's supposed to be. Jesus just came in and people are shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, here he comes. It's about to go down. And now he's in the grave. It's not supposed to be this way. Anybody resonate with that in their lives? It wasn't supposed to look like this. Maybe some of us were feeling, my my dreams have been laid to rest. I feel like I'm in a tomb, a dark, lonely place. I feel stuck, and I'm tied down, and I don't know how to escape. And I think it's good, and it's right to recognize these feelings and to sit in these feelings for a moment. That's fine for Friday and Saturday, y'all, but today's Sunday. Hear this today. Jesus has an answer and a fix to those problems today because he is risen. Okay, now let me, let me help y'all out a little bit. Uh, I know, again, this is a little bit religious, but uh, in a lot of the circles that I've been in, when someone says, he is risen, the proper response is, come on. Indeed. Yes, sir. Come on. Amen. Give me some of that. That is what took place. Yes, he is risen. He is risen indeed. So as we come to these thoughts of it wasn't supposed to be this way, Jesus being resurrected from the dead. Hey, what's up, girl? You can come and preach. Come on. (laughs) Preach on it, girl. 
when we are saying it wasn't supposed to be this way, we can recognize that, well, God must have had a better plan. God's got a better plan for your life. My dreams have been laid to rest. Well, maybe you needed bigger and better dreams. I feel empty and lonely. That's the perfect place to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the perfect place to get closely knit to a biblical community that's going to keep you encouraged. The resurrection of Jesus Christ as he came back to life after death means that we no longer have to be stuck. That's a little bit better news than that. I feel like that's preaching a little bit better than I'm hearing. Uh, We don't have to stay stuck. Yes, we don't have to stay, stay stuck. We just have to open the door to our life that Jesus is knocking on. No longer do you have to live with the dead things inside of you. That's, again, good news. Jesus came that there would be life and life. Well, like, do we go King James or ESV? (laughs) To the full, abundant. He came to set the captives free. Like, is that the truth? He came to break chains and bondages in your life and in your family's lives and in your neighbor's life and in your workplace. Jesus came to set you free. And he came to restore that which was lost. Jesus came back from the dead so that dead in all its forms would perish. So that death in all its forms would would perish. This is the message of hope. It's the message of uh, restoration. It's the message of of freedom. But okay, back, back on page. We looked at the story of Thomas and he needed further confirmation. Um, that Jesus was actually alive now, that he came back. Um, And we're going to get into this story just a little bit. But as I was walking into Easter service, I felt like I was hearing, well, I wanted to hear like the the Lord and the voice of the Mandalorian, uh, where he says, (laughs) thus saith the Lord, I will show you what to speak. (laughs) Instead, I heard that song from Ice Cube circa 1999, where he said, don't stop, get it, get it. And I said, I will, I will, I will, Lord. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. And so I felt like he was saying that specific, it's funny how to just hear like how God speaks to us individually, because that's how, that's how it works with me. So he reminded me of, of that song. He spoke that and I'm like, I mean, that's a cool beat. I got it. But what are you, what are you saying? So don't, don't stop. And so I felt like I just couldn't get out of John chapter 20, where we were at, looking at the story of Thomas. So that's where I want to go this morning. Um, we're just going to read through some of these scriptures. Um, and I believe there's something in here for every single person. Um, and it's dependent upon you if you're going to grab it and hold, hold it take it captive, um, and, and really grow from it. So any, anybody ready for that? Yes, okay. Yes. If you're taking notes, go ahead and write down John chapter 20. That way uh, you can just write down the scripture reference as we, as we get to something that is relevant to you. It says in John 20 verse 1, Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Here's what I was reminded of for this. That's pretty sacrificial. 
she's losing sleep, like literally what's taking place. She's losing sleep to seek Jesus. How many of us are living in that sacrificial place to give some things up to seek after Jesus? Sleep's a big deal to me. I like, I like sleep a lot. Like a lot, a lot. And to give something up like that, it, it just, it touches me. Am, am I living that sacrificially? Maybe write that down. Verse two. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb. And we don't know where they've laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple And they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Little healthy competition there going on. (laughs) Verse five, and stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went to the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus's head, not lying with the other linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went in, he saw, and he believed. For as yet, they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to the Lord, uh, to, to their homes. And I, I had just had this question. Again, here's how the Lord was speaking to me. I'm hopeful, I'm hopeful that it would be beneficial to some of you guys. Um, it's this feeling of, we've lost the Lord. <laughs> Someone say, he gone. He's gone. Like, we, we don't know where, where, where to go. Where'd we go? Wait, I left him right here. Yeah, we left him. We left him right here. Obviously, it's a slightly different context for the disciples. Um, he was dead. Dead people usually stay dead. They usually stay where they're supposed to stay at. But they had forgot and they misunderstood Jesus's promises, which caused them to leave Jesus. If they would have remembered and paid closer attention to the words of Jesus, knowing in faith that he was about to come back, do you think that they would have left his side? And I just felt prompted to ask this morning, who's lost the Lord? Maybe it's because you grew up hearing about him and didn't actually hear those promises that you could hold on to. Maybe you heard promises like, now that you're following Jesus, everything's going to be good. It's going to be perfecto. And so there was a misunderstanding of the promises of of God. Everything in your life will not be just good right when it happens. But God will take what the enemy intended for evil and use it for good. He will cause all things to work for the good of those who are in Christ Jesus. In other words, to help you look more and more like Jesus. There will be weapons that are formed against you, but they will not prosper. So maybe you misunderstood uh, the part of following Jesus that you're supposed to be a 
follower of Jesus. Actually follow in, in his ways. Instead, sometimes we wake up, we spend time with Jesus, and then we leave him right there on the couch. Or we leave him right there on the dining table. And we go about our day. Have you, have you lost the Lord? The good news here that we have today is that it's not actually his presence that we lose because God is everywhere. Yeah? We lose an awareness of him. And today you get to restore that awareness that God is here with you, not just in this building, but everywhere that you go. Verse 11, but Mary stood weeping outside of the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look in the tomb and she saw two angels in white sitting where Jesus's body had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, woman, I would just, yeah, okay, I'm going to leave that there. <laughs> Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they've laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she didn't know that it was Jesus. Now, this specific instance happens a number of times throughout Scripture where Jesus withholds his true identity from, um, from the person who he's interacting with. We know things are a little bit different now today on the other side of all of this because the Holy Spirit is present. He's been poured out. He's been made available to all of us. And in his role is to help us to recognize that Jesus is actually here. But I wonder how many of us feel like we've lost Jesus. And the message of hope is that even though you don't see him, he is still there with you. Sometimes we get used to seeing God in a specific way, or we have an expectation to see God in a specific way, right? If we're in a Baptist church, that means that for God to move, there has to be a really, really well done, clear, exegetical message. In a Pentecostal church, there has to be a whole lot of jumping and hooting and hollering and clapping and hoes. Hey, if the shoe fits. <laughs> yeah. But he's, he's, actually, he's actually here. He's actually, he's actually moving. I, I like the words of Rafiki from the Lion Kings, from the Lion King. He goes, look harder. <laughs> look harder. He's there. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Suppose, supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, Tell me where you've laid him and I'll take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary, all it takes is, is one, one time Jesus saying your name. He called my name and I got, Kai, you were jumping, girl. I got out of that grave. That's right. So good. There's something really important with us recognizing that God doesn't always have to fit in our box of how he's supposed to move. 
It doesn't always have to look like that perfect exegeted message. It doesn't always have to look like that so crazy passionate worship or anything in between or on the outside of that. See, what happens when we do that is our faith then is partnered with what we believe that God is going to look like. And that doesn't leave us any room for our faith to say, God can move outside of this also. It's why it's so important when Jesus instructed his people how to pray. He said, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I don't always know the full will of the Father. Always. Has a limited perspective of what Jesus could do, limited his work in your life. Verse 17, Jesus said to her, do not cling to me. For I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. Here's what I believe has taken place. I believe that God is right now in the business right here in Idaho Falls, raising up a people who will not be afraid, who will go boldly and courageously and say, I have seen the Lord, that we will be those people who would normally declare this. I saw the Lord last night. I was reading in John chapter 20 this morning. I had a vision. I had a word from the Lord. I had this encouraging thing drop in my spirit. I've got this heart to say, I have seen the Lord. I wish we would be that excited to say, I, oh, oh me, I have seen the Lord. I have seen the Lord. Verse 19, on the evening of that day, the first week, the first day of the week, the doors uh, being locked where the disciples were in fear of the Jews. By the way, there's no such thing as a locked door to Jesus. So if there's a locked door in your life, it's time to let Jesus come through. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were uh, glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. And this whole thing took place as Jesus comes in and releases peace at this, at this gathering of his disciples. But one thing that we realized was that that doubting Thomas guy, that critical thinker Thomas guy, he wasn't there for this. He wasn't there at this time to receive this, uh, to receive this, this peace. And it's so important that um, it's so important that we walk in that peace. It's so important that we allow the peace of God to come into our life. I was reading this, um, and this was written a few years back. It's from uh, this author named Jonathan Merritt, and he's making this connection uh, as to why it is that God would call us to live in thanksgiving so often. Like he would talk to the people of Israel and say, give thanks here at the end of every meal that you get. If you've received your fill, give thanks. And then Jesus shows up on the scene and he give thanks, gives thanks before, we, uh, before, they, before they partake in the meal. And here's, here's the connection. In recent years, neuroscientists have discovered that fear and gratitude don't exist in the same parts of our brains. Fear resides in the amygdala, the reptilian part of the brain. 
Feelings of gratitude activate our neocortex, the front of our brain with our higher thinking and more recently evolved capabilities. Indeed, researchers now believe that gratitude and fear cannot exist at the same time. That gratitude actually processes fear, effectively driving fear out, taming it, giving us human beings the possibility of acting with courage, hope, joy, and compassion. So literally what this is saying, the more time you spend giving thanks means the less time that you'll be living in fear. How much are we being, being thankful for? How much are we being thankful for? And Thomas had missed that time of giving thanks there to help drive out that, that fear and to walk in in peace. And then obviously we see where Jesus reveals himself um, there to, to Thomas once again um, and, and shows him his hands, shows him his, his side. And Thomas goes, my Lord, my God, there's this active participation in faith in declaring who he, who he is. I want to move towards a close. Worship, if, if you could come up. I want to share this story, and I believe um, that God wants to supernaturally release peace in your life so that you can live in a lifestyle of having his peace in your life. So it's a one-time thing to help activate uh, a, a, normal, a normal lifestyle of, of being in the peace of God. Um, it was a challenging week for me. Um, and as I was walking through it, I was doing my best to practice what God had, had taught me and what he was having me preach in the whole like Thanksgiving thing. And so the hectic life stuff was happening. The storms of life were swirling around. And I'm like, okay, I just, I got to be thankful. I got to declare, I got, okay, here we go. Thank you, God, for my family. Oh, God, they're so amazing. Thank you, God, for my children. Oh, they're so amazing. Thank you, God, that we have food. And thank you for like all the things, right? Thank you for all the, all the things. I'm just like, you know, thank you for... I don't know. Thank you for diapers, right? Thank you, thank you for, for all, all the things. And I'm walking this process out and I'm getting ready to walk out the door to come into the office. And all of a sudden I catch this whiff of something that would knock you over. Like, oh, this is not good. And it was my two-year-old walking by. <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy. Y'all, it was impressive. Okay, I mean like the front, the back. I'm, we're talking sh like shoulder. Sho how does that happen? It was, it was truly impressive. And so all of those things I was giving thanks for had literally just exploded. <laughs> Y'all, I wish I could tell you that I was the hero of the story, that I took my cape out and I was like, here I am to save the day. <laughs> no, that was my wife. <laughs> I looked at her and I, I smelled her and I'm like, holy. And I got her to the shower 
And I, I set her in there. And that's when Alicia showed up. So I love you, babe. Thank you. Man. And it was like immediate thankfulness right, right then and there. It was striking, though, because less than 24 hours before that, I had heard a story from another pastor that I shared with Pastor Nick. Um, and his story was a lot worse. Very similar, but a lot worse. Again, immediate thankfulness. Praise you, Jesus. He used the words footprints on the carpet and cave paintings on the walls. Yeah. But this, this pastor went on to explain how it got to be such a mess. This little girl had tried to clean herself up. She recognized there was something dirty there. And she tried to clean herself up, and it just made a bigger mess. Now, allow me to minister peace in the midst of all the droppings. You don't have to keep searching deep and wide for the perfect way to clean up your mess. We've all got that mess. And you don't have to figure out how you're going to clean it up because when we do, it just ends up being a bigger mess. Jesus paid the price so that he could, he could clean up your mess. He's going to clean you up. You're going to be sparkly clean looking and smelling. And he'll show you how to keep it clean. How do we do that? Well, you seek ye first all the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided unto you. Give your life fully, not just the little micro sections of your life. Let Jesus into all of your life. Grow in knowing him on the daily. Get trusted people, Jesus people in your life processing with you. Jesus being risen indeed means that no longer do we have to be stuck in our mess trying to figure out how to clean it up. We get to put our mess to death just as Jesus put it to death. And just as Jesus came into new life, so do we get to come into a new life and a life that doesn't stink. So peace be with you. Hey, thanks again for letting us be a part of your life. We pray that this time has just been life-giving to you. And if it has, if this has been a blessing towards you, there's a few things that you can do in return. If you haven't given already, we would be so grateful for your financial partnership and helping us to continue to empower people with the love and the power of Jesus Christ. So you can give on our website at risechurchid.org. We would also love if you would like or review us on any of our social media platforms. We would also love for you to share it with a friend and maybe tag us. So thank you so much again for letting us be a part of your life. We're praying that Jesus would empower you by his Holy Spirit to bring transformation to the world around you. Love you and God bless.